Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only, Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb, and welcome into the All Ball Podcast. Man, what a great uh, holiday season it was. The New Year's and Christmas and the chance to see... Uh, the Lakers upset the Golden State Warriors without LeBron James. And, of course, all of the college hoop. And we got conference play already underway. Our guest this week is Steve Prohm. He's the head coach of Iowa State in the Big 12. And uh, we recorded this interview on Thursday. That's Thursday, January 3rd. So if you're listening to it on Friday when it drops, just understand we say last night. We're getting you ready for Saturday's game against Kansas. But also want to delve a little bit into his background as well. Then I'll give you some of my thoughts on the NBA, on LeBron, on Paul George, as well as a couple of little thoughts on college basketball, including my somehow controversial stance on freshman mid-year transfers and why some people think it's cool to troll me, even though they didn't actually read the tweet and compare it to why I left Notre Dame. It's cool. Don't worry. Uh, I got the podcast. They don't. So I got the microphone. They don't, nor will they. Anyway, Steve Prom is the head coach at Iowa State. We first met. When I had I transferred out of Notre Dame, and uh, I had I was kind of wishy washy as to whether or not I wanted to go and sit out for a year at a college basketball program or stay at home and go to junior college, get my AA, and then be able to be educated and, and pick uh, and pick the school. Uh, somewhere by about mid to end of summer, I had some scholarship offers like Cincinnati wanted me to come and sit out for a year, and I was just like, you know, I, I really want to be educated in the process. 
because when I signed Notre Dame, I hadn't seen them play. And by the time I saw them play, I remember I went to their game. They played first at Loyola Marymount and barely won. And then they went and played San Diego, and they're down 31 points at halftime. 30, yeah, 31 points, I think, at half, and got blown out by USD. That game was played in the San Diego Arena. I remember turning to my dad and saying, what do we do? Right? Like, wh- why didn't we wait? Why did we have to sign in the early signing period and you know, commit so early? It was, just a, it was a mistake. Now, look, that's not why it didn't work out well at Notre Dame, but you want to make as educated a decision as possible. So I decided to go to Golden West College. My old high school coach, uh, Tom McCluskey, who coached me my freshman year, won a state championship the year before I got there, played at Penn State under Dick Harder. He had left Tustin to, I think, start up a junior college program at Golden West. They hadn't had a varsity junior college program. Anyway, so it was a chance to practice with the team, get my AA, and, um, and, and Tommy let me, he actually let me coach. I was like a, an assistant, and I'd go to games, and I would, I would coach. I would actually get to call, you know, after timeout plays, I just, I had a, because I just got done playing for John McLeod and he had so many plays, they're like, hey, if you have some plays you like, put them in. You know our players. And then I would get the scrimmage against the, the players every day. So I was at Golden West and I played in a junior college tournament in the summer and Alabama started recruiting me. So I flew from uh, Orange County to Birmingham, Alabama. And that's when I first met Steve Prohm, who's now the head coach at Iowa State. When we first met, you were a manager at Alabama. Do you do you remember that weekend at all? I do. I do. That was a big weekend. I think we had you on campus and a, and a big kid ended up going to Cal. Uh, I think he came that weekend, or you guys were connected. No, no. He, he went. To, he Francisco, went. He came the weekend before. Francisco Elson. Weekend before. Yep. Francisco Elson ended up going to Cal. So yeah, I remember picking you. I think I picked you up at the airport in Birmingham, and um, and then you ended up. Uh, you know, uh, going to Oklahoma State. No, so, you listen. You're you're skipping a bunch of you're job. you're you're skipping a bunch of things. You're skipping a bunch of things. Okay, uh, and well, here's here's how vivid my memory. I remember beating you in horse. Okay, so here, well, that that's not actually not bragging, but anyway, yeah. um, you picked me up in Birmingham, and because of yep. the way the rule worked, if I stayed off campus, um, I didn't have the clock didn't start. So the first night, you guys yep. took me out five points. Yep, in Birmingham. Birmingham. Yep, went to dinner and, yep, and hung out there. Yeah, and then the sure second did. night, then we, then we went to campus, and you guys had arranged, like, I don't know, somehow you got it in your head that, like, the Jewish thing was a big thing. And so you had arranged the Jewish fraternity to have a party in my honor. Do you guys remember? Do you remember that at all? A little bit. I, I do remember the five points. I knew we went to uh, – I didn't want to get – you know, Coach Hobbs on my staff. I know it, I didn't want to get him in trouble if we weren't able to do that. So I didn't want to say that. No, I'm just kidding. No, no, it was, it was uh, clearly, it was yeah, clearly no, explained to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, we uh, – I remember the five points. I do remember going to fraternity party a little bit um, that next night. So I do remember that. I see problem jo- joining me here in the All Ball Podcast. Okay, so fast forward to that. You're a manager at Alabama. And what Billy Kennedy got the job at Centenary, right? Yep. So how did you? Okay, so at the time you're at Alabama, you're still a, a student, weren't you? And then you, and then that that was like your first job. But it, was it really a? Were you like a volunteer assistant? Is that what you were? Yeah, really. You know, but Centenary uh, is actually coaches starting his second year there, and he's an assistant coach at Alabama. Thad Fitzpatrick, uh, that him and Coach Kennedy worked together at Wyoming. We're really close. Worked with Benny Dees out there. And so Coach uh, Fitzpatrick called Coach, and he said he had a basically a volunteer assistant spot 
uh, would be the third assistant. And so I could have stayed Alabama as a GA with Coach Godfrey, and everybody kind of advised me, man, it would be great to just go be a third assistant with Centenary. They thought Coach Kennedy was a you know, great man, up-and-coming coach in the business, and he'd be really good for me. And so headed to Centenary and um, got a basement in the dorm of one of the camp, uh, campus dorms across the street from the Gold Dome and then uh, a meal ticket to the Centenary cafeteria, and off we went. That's amazing. What's amazing about the Alabama thing is that you guys had a really good staff, right? Like Bob Marlin's done an unbelievable job, um, and he was a good coach before he got there. Mike Davis obviously yep. went on to coach Indiana to a national championship, and now he's still, he's still coaching, still doing a good job. Um, yep. And uh, I, I think the world of I think the world of Dave Hobbs. Like, why why don't you think it worked there? You know, um, I mean, the league was good. You know, I think you know, coach's first couple of years there. You look at it. I mean, we had Antonio McDyess. Jason Caffey, uh, Roy Rogers, uh, Eric Washington, uh, Jamal Faulkner. I mean, um, you know, you're, you're a West Coast guy, so you probably know Jamal Faulkner from being at Arizona State when he transferred to Alabama. And we, uh, we were really, really good my first couple years there. Uh, a big game that really hurt us, I think, that hurt was Roy Rogers' senior year. We're in the three-six game in New Orleans in the SEC tournament, you know, because it's East-West back there, back then. And I think if we win that game, we go to the NCAA tournament. You know, I think it was we were like nineteen and nine, something like that. I think we go to the tournament, and we lose that game. We end up going to the NIT. We go to the NIT Final Four, and then, you know, we lost a lot of guys off that team. And you know, the next couple of years we we were just okay, but. You know, Coach Marlin's done an unbelievable job at Sam Houston State and Lafayette. And then, obviously, you know, Mike Davis is, you know, from Indiana. To, I thought UAB did a great job. Texas Southern did an incredible job. And then I'm sure in a couple of years, Detroit will be really good. Yeah, it's, and it's, you know, I mean, obviously you've had an incredible amount of success. Obviously, back then you were just, you were just a, a, you know, uh, considered a manager. All right, so you're at Centenary. And uh, why'd, you go to, why'd you go to Tulane just to, to finally get some – because you had to pay some bills? Well, I went from Centenary to Southeast Louisiana with Coach. That oh, that's right. That's why with BK. Yeah, yeah, with Coach because Centenary went went uh, independent, and we had a really good team coming back. We really had our two best players coming back. We finished fourth in the league that year, back with the Atlantic Sun used to be called the Task when you know College Charleston, Samford, you know they used to have some really good teams in that league, and so um, we went to Southeast and I spent six years there. Our last couple of years, we won the. Uh, Won the conference, went to the tournament, played Oklahoma State my last year there in the, in, in the, in the first round. Uh, played against the, the Twins back when they had the Twins yep. uh, and Lucas. Uh, played a really good team there. But And then Coach had kind of told me, hey, that you know if he wasn't had an opportunity to kind of move, that he may take a major's assistant spot and job open to Tulane. And, um, you know, I was familiar with that area and was able to get, get on there and double my salary, you know, Went from about twenty-five grand to about fifty grand. Yeah, but you've been in, uh, you've been in Louisiana the entire time, right? From from Centenary to Southeastern to Tulane, and then yeah, BK gets yeah. So then BK gets the job at Murray. And for people who don't know, like I think most people who listen to this know, Murray's been unbelievable with the the number of coaches, the quality of coaches, the quality of basketball there. What was it like when you when you rejoined him a year later at Murray State? That was great. You know, I was, you know, it was tough leaving Tulane because Coach Dickerson had given me a great opportunity uh, to to really take a big step from Southeastern to Tulane, and 
in conferences and financial, you know, you know, and financially as well. But just to get back with Coach, I had a great comfort level with him, and you know, was really loyal to him, and, and he was a great role model and and a mentor for me. And you know, Murray Micron had done an unbelievable job. When we got there, though, we only had three returning players. You know, they, you know, you take over a job, you lose some guys because of transfers, you lose some guys that don't stay with their level of intent. And so, you know, we had to hustle. And it's so we got there, it kind of took us a couple of years to get it back to the level that, you know, that program's accustomed to. And I think Wait, didn't you win, like, I thought you won 29 games your first year there. Oh, that was your first year as head coach. That first year as head coach. First year as head coach, we won 23 in a row. You know, so it's like my fourth year there, I think. We went 31-5, and five, beat Vanderbilt, lost to Butler by two. I think we led Butler at the last media timeout by four the year they played for the national championship. And uh, so we get beat by Butler to go, and Butler goes on a national championship. And uh, and then I think the following year, I think after Coach's fifth year, that's that's when he went to A&M. And then, and then I got promoted and spent almost 10 years. And, and Murray got married, met my wife, had my first son. And so that, that place was, you know, it, it, my family, my wife's family's all from there. So that, that place holds a lot of fond memories and a lot of good times there. Okay, so BK gets the Texas A&M job, and you're there, and you're, you know, his guy, right? You've been with him the several, you know, three, that's your third stop with him. Do you remember, the, what was the process of getting that job like? You know, it was tough. You know, it was a little nerve-wracking because I didn't, I didn't know. I knew from the standpoint, I knew worst case scenario, I'm thinking about being an assistant at Texas A&M. You know, coach had told me that, that, hey, regardless of what happens here, I'm, I'm going to hire a staff, I'm going to stay one stop for you until this thing plays out, and it drug out a longer, longer than I thought. I probably interviewed for the job three times, three or four times over a three-week period. Um, I don't think they ever really interviewed any other candidates. I think they were just kind of checking their boxes that, to make sure that, you know, if they were going to hire from within and, and, and promote me, that that was for sure the thing they wanted to do. And, you know, fortunately, Alan Ward and a lot of people in the community had, had great confidence, not just in me, but just in – what we were doing there and the foundation that coach had laid and, and that the other assistants uh, had played a big part in. Um, you, you're, you had a couple of great players, obviously, there. You had Isaiah Cannon when, when you were there. Yeah. Um, first time you saw him, this, and this is what I think is great about like a pod, podcast where you can, you can delve in a little bit to when, when you, he's from, is he from Biloxi? I, I'm remembering yeah, Biloxi, he's from, Mississippi. Yeah. Where'd you first, where'd you first see him? You know, first song, um, you know, we needed a point guard. We knew we needed a point guard. And so, you know, you just call around, and, and, and one of the AU coaches in Mississippi said, hey, there's a kid you need to make sure you see. You know, Isaiah Cannon, he's the guy. He's the guy you want. And so back then they had the Mississippi kind of north-south, or I think it was north-south Mississippi all-star game. And so I sent a coach down there, and – this is his senior. He's already been a senior. He's already graduated. This, no, this is junior summer, going into his senior year, going into okay. his senior year. And so I sent coach down there, uh, and he watched him. And right after he saw him play, he just was like, "Hey, that's the guy we need." And so then from there, it was really just the full court press. And his recruiting was really interesting. It really came down to us, Tulane and Arkansas State. And I think we we just had a really good connection. The mom lived in Atlanta which wasn't far from Murray. Uh, he had a grandmother and father in, in Biloxi that he was really close to. And, you know, we were fortunate that, that, that some of the schools kind of in that area 
didn't really go all in on him because he's a kid that probably would have stayed home, you know, whether it's an Ole Miss or a South Alabama, Southern Miss, something like that. Uh, he probably would have stayed in that area because his, him and his grandma were extremely close. But, you know, we were fortunate uh, fortunate to get him, and, you know, he was he was really a star on campus from his freshman year on. Um, so you're, you're at, you're at Murray's and I'm trying to remember how the timing worked out with the Alabama job. Were you still at Murray when the Alabama job came up when you were at at Iowa State when you got there? Yeah, it was after my, uh, my last year, you know, uh, my fourth year, um, after we, you know, we got beat, we were 120, we won 25 games in a row my last year at Murray, ended up getting beat by Belmont on a, on a last second shot in in the championship game. And then we went to the. So we had to go to the NIT, ended up losing the Old Dominion on a last-second shot in the NIT quarterfinals to go to New York. And so uh, then that spring, that job opened up. And, um, you know, just the way, you know, life works out, you know, God's got a plan, you know, for everybody. And, um, you know, that job didn't work out for me. And I think he put me in a really, really good situation here at, in Ames a couple months later, uh, really found out about this job opening. Uh, the night of our anniversary, my wife and I were driving to Paducah. The job opened up, and I told her, I said, "Man, that's the job. I, you know, if I was going to leave here, it's got all the things that that Murray, Kentucky has from a standpoint of they love basketball, they love their school, great community, great people. Um, it's just on a whole bigger level, you know, in the Big 12 and with the ESPN coverage and the media coverage and all that, and um, you get a chance to challenge yourself against the best and." Uh, fortunately, this job, you know, worked out for me here, and it's been terrific. This is a, a perfect fit for me and my family. Yeah, bless it. is it blessing in disguise in any way that you didn't get to go home? You know, uh, you know, I think, you know, I think, you know, I'm just very blessed to be here. You know, I'll say yeah. that. I'm just very fortunate because, you know, you want to be somewhere where. Man, I just you just look around the country at these games. Well, where people TV. people care that that was honestly you know? that was so. So let me I'll give you I'll tell you the honest reason the two reasons I didn't go to Alabama, okay. Well, three, okay. So you guys had Brian Williams, who I had played against at ABCD camp, and he was one of the top. He was a top rated point guard in the South. Yeah, good player. And I yeah. and I remember playing against him, thinking he's a great athlete, but he's not a point guard. And so you know, my whole thing was like, hey, I'll 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 come. But Coach Hobbs has got to sit Brian Williams down and say, like, hey, look, he's going to come and you're going to play together and he's going to be the point guard. And he just yeah. wasn't quite willing to commit to it. And I know there's a lot of ego with it. I thought, I thought we would have been really good together. So there was yeah. that. Um, and there was the, like, look, be, a lot of people said the coach was on the hot seat, which, which didn't help. And it ended up, he ended up actually losing his job. And I think Dave Hobbs is a great man. Um, but the bigger thing was, like, I want to go somewhere people really, really cared. You know, I want to be able to go somewhere people cared. And the thing that you've been able to get here in your two head coaching jobs, and they sometimes they may care too much, right? Like yeah, all of a sudden yeah, you have a year yeah. like last year, and you're like, man, yeah. what's going on? Like, hey, they care yeah. too much. But it's it's yeah. it's so much better to go to work when people care about the job you're doing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I've been blessed. I've got you know, I've been a head coach since my eighth year, and I've coached in really from a mid major and a high major job probably in two of the best fan bases that you could have, that you could ask for. Uh, obviously I've got great admiration and love for the University of Alabama. You know, I graduated from there. I have great, great relationships with, with some of the guys that 
played there and, you know, former managers and obviously Coach Hobbs is on my staff now. And that place was really, really good to me. Um, but this was a great fit for me. Uh, I've been blessed to be at Murray. They love hoops. Blessed to be here. They love hoops. Uh, and they just, they've got really good people. And so and I've been fortunate in my two jobs to be really in two really, really good situations for me, not only for me, but for my family as well. Um, but you did inherit, quote, somebody else's team, somebody else's program, right? No matter, no matter what the real inner workings of a program are, the outside perception is it's Fred Hoiberg. Hell, his nickname's the mayor, you know. A lot yeah. of people don't even know his first name's Fred because everybody calls him the mayor. He turned yeah. that program around, and yeah. the thought was like, hey, you're just you're kind of driving his car. You're sleeping in his house, and, you know, if Fred wants to come back, he'll come back. And, and anything you do, well, Fred wouldn't have done it that way. How do, yeah. you, how do you handle that? Well, first off, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that, that Fred and I have a, have a really, really good relationship and that he was awesome. Uh, just in his communication with me while he's coaching the Bulls, still taking time for me to make sure I have a, a good understanding and feel for, you know, how he did things, but just the guys that, that he left. And I did. I was I was fortunate. I, I inherited a really good situation to get to coach guys like George Niang and Abdul Nader and, and you know, Jamil McKay. That was my first senior class. And then my next senior class was Monte Morris and, Matt Thomas and Maz Long and, and Deontay Burton. And, and obviously, I, I didn't recruit those guys. And, and, and that's, you hear that a lot. And that's just – and you've been around this game and this business a long time. And so that's just how it is. But I will say, you, you know, I communicate with those kids probably on a weekly basis, the majority of them. Um, I think those kids know that, that I invested in their lives, that I – that I really, really tried to, to help them. And I think we've got really strong relationships. You know, we started a reunion here to where we had over 125, almost 150 former players back on campus last year. All of those guys, majority of the guys that played in this last two- to three-year window was back on campus, you know, along with guys like Jamal Tinsley and Hornacek and, and uh, Pfizer and just some really, really special players that have impacted this program. And so um, – you know, obviously taking over from Fred was it was tough. I mean, there's you're you're replacing a, a legend, not just you know, not just a coaching legend here, but you know, a player legend, an impact, a guy that really impacted this community. But um, you know, I think it helped me grow as a coach. I think it really helped me grow as a coach. In, in, in what way? In what way? What have you gotten better at that that people might not see that you've gotten better at? Um. You know, just understanding, I think, first of all, I think growing offensively as a coach, you know, because studying the, the things that he did here uh, with, with – and we played similar to at Murray in a lot of ways, you know, for our spread ball screen. But just, um, you know, just continue to grow offensively as a coach and challenge yourselves, um, you know, understanding some things that he did with, um, you know, really, you know, making a strong emphasis on guys getting in the gym and putting a lot of time in on their own. I think that's been important. But just understanding at the end of the day that, you know, you you, you just got to be who you are. And I think it took me a little bit of time here in doing that to where, hey, you know, you're here for a reason. You got this job for a reason. Now just go be what got you this job. And I think these players know that, that I, the former guys, that I love them, I care for them, 
and, and that I'm here for them and we want them back around campus. And, and that's why we got a lot of guys coming back. Yeah. Um, all right. So now you got Kansas this Saturday and they're the rival slash nemesis of, of the entire league, but especially of Iowa state basketball, right? Like, God, if we just beat those guys, just if we just just beat those guys, every it changes the complete perception. No matter how well you do, um, as you know, around campus and nationally, how Iowa State specifically does against Kansas, kind of is how people view your your team. And your team is one that's still kind of coming together, right? Like you didn't have Wingington, you had some other suspensions early in the year. Like you're still not whole yet with your with your big guys. Um, what is it like to prepare for a game like Kansas? We just, you know, only two, obviously, out of out of the 18 games you play in the Big 12, but they're weighted games with the perception of how big this game is. Yeah, there's no question. And, that, like, that's why you're here. I mean, that's why you want to be in this league and you want to challenge yourself as a coach and as a player and as a staff and as a program. And, you know, we've had we've had good success against Kansas, I think, you know, up into this past year, you know, he swept us this past year, but, you know, I think we were five and five or six and six against them up into, up into that point over the last six years, you know, obviously Fred has a lot to do with that. Um, you know, like we just touched on, but this is a great opportunity. It's kind of a, you know, you know, people say move the needle type of game, but it's obviously, it's one of those games that to say, Hey man, Iowa state's back. They have a chance to, if they can be selfless, if they can grow on the defensive end, if they can continue to share the ball, that they're going to be a team that you're going to have to reckon with in the Big 12. And, you know, Coach Sells the standard in the league as well from a coaching standpoint. Their program's the standard uh, from a team standpoint, not just in our league, but nationally. And, you know, it's going to come down to toughness, attention to detail, and, and being great defensively. And it will be a lot of fun Saturday, but you're not going to win this game because of a lot of hype we're going to have to be tougher than them. And, you know, they play with great toughness. You got Tyrese Halliburton, who hit four threes at the time of this recording last night against Oklahoma State. Taylor Horton Tucker didn't do anything. Uh, the the, the uh, 6'4 freshman out of uh, Simeon High School. Uh, you got a couple of, of really young players to go along. And, like, look, we think of Lindale Wigginton as old, right, because he played last year. And, yeah, I mean, technically he's 20 years old, but he's still only a sophomore. How – what do you, what do you what's your process of motivating getting ready for a game like Kansas with two freshmen who have they really have no idea what this game the intensity of this game is going to be like? Yeah, it's going to ramp up. Even you know, obviously you know there was a lot of intensity the other night in Stillwater, but you know, home games, a lot of emotion, a lot of energy, um, a lot of hype to the game. Uh, it's a Saturday afternoon game. You love Saturday afternoon games. You know, these guys have been able to – I think the one blessing in disguise that's happened with this team is we had the two injuries, we had the two suspensions. It gave some of these freshmen an opportunity to, to be able to play more minutes early in the season, be able to play through mistakes because of the number of guys we had eligible, just eight guys, and go play in a, in a high-level environment in Maui. You know, those games in Maui, regardless of the opponent, man, they're tough, they're competitive. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of energy there. And I thought those guys respond, and I think this will be a, even another uh, higher step than that. But the biggest thing I tell those guys, man, just like they've done all year, is, man, play loose, play free, have fun. Tyrese has a great spirit about him. He's got a great – he's just 
he just has that itch factor. Taylor's been under the weather a little bit, so we got to get him healthy over the next couple days. And you know, I like our other freshmen as well too. George Thomas giving us some good minutes, um, you know, at at the five spot when he's had to. But we've got to get Cameron Laird back going, and I thought last night was a big step with that. Uh, Lindale Wigginton is a super super talented Canadian kid. Played at Oak Hill. And he had a good year, uh, but wasn't seen to be, a, you know, a high first-round draft pick, so, so he's come back. It's a challenge that a lot of people, I think, are interested in. I'm interested in how you, like, you know, like, is he really back or is he not really back? And obviously the injury and watching you guys play in Maui probably made him hungrier to get back and to play the right way. Uh, what's what's that been like for you in a guy who you, he watches, I'm sure, many of his contemporaries, not just Canadians, but other kids, playing in the NBA right now, and there's that just inherent jealousy. That could be me. How do you get him kind of focused and bought into what you want to do, what you want to accomplish this year in Ames? Well, I think the biggest thing, and I've talked to all these guys about it this year, um, I like this team. I've said it from this summer. I've liked our team. I've liked our work ethic. Unfortunately, Lindell had a tough injury, you know, after the first game of the season. You know, I just told him, I said, guys, if you do one thing, you need to play for Iowa State. And there's a quote that we've used all year, and I used it my first year at Murray, and we were having a ton of success to try to keep people locked in. Is don't seek honor. You know, honor will find you. You know, everybody has their own path. I've got my own path to become a head coach. I started as a manager, like you touched on. Everybody has their own path to the NBA. You know, Monte Morris, you know, he could have left after his junior year. Comes back, plays his senior year. Look where he's at now in the NBA. He's leading the NBA in assist to turnover ratio. He's on pace to possibly break the record. And now, you know, he's in a major rotation guy for the first place team in the West. So everybody has their own process, their own own journey to, to reach their goals. And I've just been preaching to these guys about playing for Iowa State. If you, because I think that's what made this program so good when I got here. Niang and Naslong, I mean, they had, they had so much pride in this place. And that's why it's great to have those guys come back to continue to, to preach that message. I think all great programs bring those guys back. And that's been the biggest message. And I think, you know, and, and my biggest thing talking to Lindell is, hey, you know, continue to improve on decision-making, continue to grow defensively. Continue to grow in your leadership. Let's get your assist to turnover ratio better. He's almost two to one this year. Um, and he just needs to get his game conditioning back now. But I thought he was terrific for us last night. I thought he put pressure on the goal in transition. I thought he put pressure on the rim and in the half court. And then he made the big three to kind of, when we couldn't make shots late in the game, he made the big one to separate it. And, you know, if they can stay true to that quote, don't seek honor, honor will find you. You know, I think we've got a lot of guys down the road that can be successful playing this game for a long time. All right, you have the ball. You have the ball late in the game, and you call timeout. Now, first of all, let's say you have the ball, and uh, do you are you a call a timeout guy or call a play in front of your own bench guy? Man, you know, I'm really more just let those guys play. You know, I'm not a big hey. You know, these guys. You know, we practice. They know what we want to do. You know, our team. To be honest. I think we're better when we're just moving the ball, cutting, spacing the floor, playing off ball screens or playing off cutting and and, and ball movement. And so I would be more likely to probably just, you know, call an action or tell them to, you know, obviously play at a plane transition and and see what it, it, you know, what the defense, you know, dictates. But 
Uh, you know, like last night, I was kind of mad at myself a minute to go in the first half. I called timeout. Then they go zone. We don't execute it the zone. We turn it over. They hit a three where, you know, we got some experience, man. Just just play. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you, you overthink it, you overcoach it, and you end up helping the other guy, you know, have the other team kind of catch their breath or, ch- or, or, change, or change some things. Um, Self is famous for being great out of timeouts, and he puts things in kind of day of game. How do you, how do you prepare for that? Well, we'll show, you know, today, you know, when we show film, you know, we, we got back, you know, 1, 2 in the morning last night. So, you know, we'll meet at 3.30 today. We'll watch film from last night's game. You know, guys will go out and just warm up, stretch. You know, we'll shoot today. And then we'll come in and watch tape on Kansas. And uh, we'll take probably about four of those things that they come out of timeouts that they've shown to be their main things. And, and we'll talk to the guys about that, how we want to defend that, and things to look for. Obviously, you know, like I, we touched on earlier, he's terrific Hall of Fame coach. Um, we just got to be really dialed in coming out of every timeout of what we think they're looking for. And, and there's some timeouts we'll, we'll try to do, the, you know, do the same if you think you can, you know, if you think you can, you know, get an advantage. But, you know, they, they I think they have a core of, you know, four to six things that he really likes to change up with there. Uh, last thing. All right. Let's just let's just imagine because you're focused on winning the game. So you, you beat Kansas. They usually rush the floor. You do interviews. What do you do next? You go you go home. Do you go to the office and crack a beer? Do you, is there a bar you go to? What is when when Steve Prome and the Proman Empire, when you, you get done and you just you just beat Kansas, you just vanquished the enemy. What do you do? I know this probably just it sounds boring, but um, probably if we, you know, win the game, go hug my wife and kids first, you know, go to the locker room. Uh, we'll finish that tomorrow. Actually, Saturday, I have to do the TV show after the game, so I'll do that. And then probably pick up food for the family on the way home. And then Where? Where? where where's where's the favorite spot? Um, Probably I would between Wallabies, Alice, Tech as a Mexican spot, or the cafe that's kind of in the area that, that I live in. And so – that's something on the way home that I'll I'll pick up and whichever my son my son will usually pick and then I'll I'll pick that up and uh, my wife has some family in town will come I'll get back and and really I'll I'll spend just until those kids my kids my two kids go to sleep I'll just hang out with them and you know we'll goof around we'll play we'll you know watch Netflix whatever little show we like to watch or my daughter likes to watch and we'll read and we'll just hang out and then when they go to bed. Then I'll watch the replay of our game, and and then uh, then I'll go to bed and wake up that next morning and um, start working on Baylor. Hmm. All right. Well, interesting stuff. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you catching up with us and telling us a little bit about your story. Uh, if you ever want to come back and tell more kind of Billy Kennedy war stories, uh, this is consider this a consider this a friendly place because that's the whole idea behind it. But. Uh, saw your team, like your team, and I know that, that that's not fin- – like the building construction of this is not finished, but that's just kind of one step in the process. And I want to catch up and, and wish you luck this weekend against KU. No, I appreciate it, man. I, I appreciate you and appreciate you following us. And uh wish we could have got you at Alabama. I know you had made a big impact up there at Oklahoma State. But we uh, – it'll be fun Saturday. These guys, they deserve an opportunity like this. And, you know, hopefully we can play well. All right. Well, people think that we're related. We're not. Uh, we have different parents. We just somehow came out looking very, very much the same. And, of course, our paths have crossed many a time. I appreciate your time. Yeah. I'll let you get back and, to work. And our uncle is Mark Cuban. 
Yes, yes, you know, that's, could, that's uh, it. Could, <laughs> that's the other one. Our, our rich uncle, which we we wish we were in the will. Yeah. That's exactly what. Yeah. That's exactly what you it know, is. one time when I was at when I was at Murray and we were trying to raise money, I sent him an email, to seeing if he wanted to donate to our uh, to our racer club, but I never got an email back. So, um, you what know, when you're in Southeastern and and, uh, and 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 Murray, a place you need to try to raise money, man, you'll try to do anything. So. I sent him some real feel-good email, but I, I didn't get anything back. So, well, listen, well, listen. For a guy who was living in a basement in Centenary to now being head coach uh, with an outstanding team at Iowa State, like you've kind of made it for yourself. He should he should have bought stock in that a long time ago, had he known, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, thanks for having me, Doug. Happy New Year. Thanks. Happy New Year. Man, that was great catching up with Steve Prom. I got into it on Twitter with a couple people who tried to troll me. Um, Eton Thomas, who's uh, very active in uh, social justice and kind of trying to even out the playing field as he sees for collegiate athletes and for pro players as well. Uh, even Jay Williams, my former colleague at ESPN, chose to troll me for what I what, what happened. At, now both both thought like what I so here's what I why I tweeted out what I said. Look, transferring out halfway through your freshman year is stupid. It just is. If you want to say, hey, I was overwhelmed a- a- academically my freshman year in college. Guess what? So is most everybody else, especially the student-athlete. If you want to say, hey, look, I just don't think I'm good enough or I'm going to play enough, guess what? That's most people. It's most people. And if you transfer out after, you know, 9, 10, 12, 13 games, you don't know anything. To to people who say, well, listen, you, you, you know you're not a right fit. How you fit when you're in September, October, November, December, has nothing to do with January, February, March. Things change. You'll get additional. You you will get an opportunity if you're not playing, or you got to get an opportunity, and you'll you'll improve and you'll fall. But some things will level off. But what we've done by making kids so they can like look, we've made it actually extra beneficial to transfer early. If you transfer out semester of your freshman year, you can play the next year at semester, so you don't actually sit, and then you're going to graduate likely graduate early. And so when you graduate early, you could transfer a second time. So we've, we've, we've done the opposite of what we want to do, which is, hey, we want to give you a scholarship. We want to give you a chance to succeed. If you, sit, if you transfer, you sit out for a year. You, you really get to soak up the culture, improve as a student, prepare yourself. There has to be some sort of punishment for leaving a contract before it's fulfilled. That's what it is. Coaches have a buyout. Players have contract that they have to sit out for a year i think that's actually reasonable and the people who and there's a lot of you who want to say coaches and players are the same no they're not (laughs) no they're not coaches most of them were players previously they've worked their way up and they're in charge of entire teams assistant coaches uh trainers secretaries their families it all if players all falls on their responsibility now you may say with with greater responsibility comes greater pay and that greater responsibility also includes you can't leave your team. A coach can't leave his team in the middle of the season. None of them do. When a coach leaves, he's replaceable. If a player leaves in midseason, it's not like the NBA where you can just go, hey, well, go off the free agent wire. we got to replace you maybe with another transfer who has to also sit out for a year. So what I offered up on Twitter was, hey, look, if you accept the scholarship and four months in you're like, I'm out. Why shouldn't you have to repay some of that scholarship? You've taken something that no one else can now use. 
No one else can use a scholarship to play basketball at that university. Now, maybe you give it to a walk-on or whatever for the second half of the year. And if you want, and I said, you know, it's like, look, it could be up to $100,000. You're like, nothing's $100,000. Yeah, it is. To play basketball at a private school, it's $60,000, $70,000. That's how much the tuition is. All right, maybe it's half of that, thirty-five. But think about all the money that's spent in recruiting you. They secure your commitment and letter of intent. They stop recruiting anybody else, usually at that position. They you, you secured one of 13 scholarships. Uh, we don't just do room, board, tuition, cost of attendance. Do you have to pay that back? And, and oh, yeah, by the way, like not just the promotion, the training, the workouts, the tutoring, you know, all the devices that you can get that you can borrow from the academic center. Like, look, it's not going to be 100 grand, but if, if you're not going to see it through for an entire year, there has to be some sort of punishment, really. You're not fulfilling your contract. <laughs> and when you do that in anywhere else in the real world, th- there's a punishment. So, and if you want to troll me about Notre Dame, like, look, I, I, I went through an entire year at Notre Dame. So it's not even close to being the same thing. Besides, I didn't leave on my own accord. I had to leave. And when I left, they ended up getting Jimmy Dillon a scholarship at Notre Dame, something he wouldn't have gotten previously. So you have your facts wrong. You don't understand the premise of my, the discussion. And you're not realistic with the – nobody knows anything about their team, even in even January 1st. Let's stop acting like it's a smart idea for a kid to bail in January. It's dumb. I thought about doing it at Oklahoma State. I was having a terrible run. And in the doghouse at Oklahoma State, I was in Las Vegas getting ready to play UNLV. I'd been benched for like six to eight great games after getting thrown out of a UCLA game. And I wanted to leave. And then I went out and I had four points and 15 assists and we beat UNLV. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll stick this thing out. And I did. It was the best decision I ever made. You learn something from sitting. You learn something from learning. And this idea that we make it not just super easy, but almost beneficial to leave halfway through your freshman year is stupid. We are hurting players for when they're done playing basketball, understanding how to push through things. It's not unreasonable to have them stay through their freshman year. So, look, that, that's my opinion. And if you want to troll me on Twitter about it, cool. And I understand on Twitter suddenly everybody's a tough guy. Somehow schools are out to get players and whatever. Like, if you're not reasonable about it, especially if you cover the sport, you play the sport, then I kind of feel like I don't have time for you. And most people listen to this. It, it, there's, there's plenty of things to debate. And anyone, by the way, who debates you, well, players should be allowed to transfer right away and not sit out. The realities of it are that didn't work in high school. It's definitely not going to work in college. It would cause for mass movement, which is not good for the sport. We've discussed this on previous podcasts, but um, there has to be some sort of restrictions of, of movement in terms of playing. Remember, there is no NCAA rule against you transferring schools if you can get into that school. The only NCAA rules are when you're eligible to play. So don't tell me, hey, I want to st- go be closer to home, closer to my grandma. Okay, you can. You just can't play basketball for a year. And by the way, if you really want to fix it, grad transfers should have to sit out a year as well. Get six for four, six years to complete four. If you graduate on time, that's cool. And you already registered, that's fine. We don't, I don't care. Fine. Sit out a year, get your really legit, get your grad degree, and then you can play. I think it's a very reasonable thing. All these guys that want their grad degree, show me the grad degree that you're transferring for. All right, quickly on the NBA. Um, I know this, this is an assumption that because Paul George is having a killer year, that the Lakers made a mistake. But the Lakers are going to be fine. 
you know, I don't know what's the matter with Kyle Kuzma's back, and I would hope that LeBron James would be back early from the groin injury. But, but Kuzma's going to be a borderline all-star. LeBron James still has something left in the tank. He's averaging 27.5 points a game, and he can't make a free throw. That's 28-29 in reality. Uh, Lonzo's still very inconsistent but improved. Josh Hart's you know, probably more of a bench player but massively improved. Brandon Ingram's played better. He's not great. Maybe he becomes trade fodder, but he's not a terrible player. Contavious Caldwell-Pope playing pretty well. But more than anything, like they're putting themselves in position to have a really good young supporting cast, many guys under rookie deals, and go out and get another player. If you want to look back at Paul George and the decision not to trade for him, you have to also remember that the Lakers at that point in time had a completely different roster filled with guys like Luol Deng, who they couldn't wait to get rid of, and Jordan Clarkson, who they couldn't wait, wait, to, get, wait to get rid of. You know, or D'Angelo Russell, who they did, in fact, also get rid of quickly. All of these names, and you wanted Paul George. Like, look, Paul George said he wanted to come to the Lakers, and he didn't even meet with the Lakers. They didn't want to overspend and trade early because they thought he was coming to them. And we'll see if Kawhi Leonard comes to the Clippers. But, but these two things can actually coexist. Kawhi, uh, uh, Paul George can be very good in Oklahoma City. And the Lakers can be right on their path, their, their planned trajectory of being good this year, top four or five in the West this year, and great next year. All right, that's it for the All Ball Podcast. Make sure you listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily, 3 to 6 Eastern Time, 12 to 3 Pacific. And, of course, we'll be back with All Ball next week. Make sure you tell your friends to download, to subscribe, and to like this podcast because I'm told that it's beneficial for me financially. That's the only reason I'm telling you this. Anyway, follow me on Twitter at Gottlieb Show. We'll ha- always have some fun. Uh, I will try not to feed the trolls and get off into some uh, rabbit hole that I can't get a- out of. I do have more college basketball thoughts to share with you, but, uh, you know, I thought Steve, the Steve Prohm stuff was great, and so share it with a friend. Anyway, I'm Doug Gottlieb, and this is All Ball. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've I've lost count. Or, Shoot that, shoot that! And even, Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. 
You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Land.com can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own and do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with the family you want. Just know that getting your own piece of land is something that can generate memories for generations, but also has the ability to generate income in both the near and long term. Like if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound. Go to Land.com and check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Enough dreaming about it. Land.com is a place to find and invest in in your open space.